He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the leader's cut. You saw, according to the thumbnail, where we're going this week. And I've been praying that this is not just an enlightening time for you and me, but I've been praying that it would be a powerful time for both of us as the Spirit of God moves in on our conversation, speaks to each of us, uh, and leads and guides us, as well as cuts on us. Today, we're going to be talking about strongholds. And I don't know that this gets talked about enough in the church these days, uh, because I think sometimes it gets a little sensationalized and people get weirded out and, you know, oh, we can't talk about spiritual warfare. Well, if you don't talk about it, it's just going to get worse. Now, you don't want to overdo it and always talk about it, but strongholds are something we must be aware of. We need to understand them. Of course, we need to understand how to tear them down, which we'll talk about at the end of our time together. But before we jump into 2 Corinthians 10, let's pray together, invite the Holy Spirit into our time, and ask him just to wreck things. Since we're talking about strongholds, let's just pray he wrecks a bunch of stuff, all right? Holy Spirit, we pray right now for your tangible presence among us. We pray that you would move in on us, that you would sweep in over us. We pray that as you move through this conversation, that strongholds which Satan had established against our God, as well as to destroy us, I pray as you move throughout this conversation, that Satan's strongholds would begin to wobble and then fall. God, I know firsthand from experience how dangerous and difficult strongholds can be. And I just pray that right now in our time together, if there's anyone experiencing warfare in such a way, that they feel they're being dominated because there are strongholds that have been erected. I especially pray for my brother and my sister experiencing that. Spirit of the living God, would you cut on us and would you tear down the strongholds of your enemy? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's jump into this bad boy. I want to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. Uh, I'm going to read it out of the message, which I, I don't often do, but I love the way, uh, if you memorize this passage, uh, you're not going to see uh, some of the typical language because it, it's been um, altered just a little bit. It's translated differently. But I love the way the entirety of this passage conveys the thought behind strongholds and what we must do. All right? Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. The tools of our trade, speaking of, of and to believers, aren't for marketing or manipulation. I already like how the message says that. But they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. 
we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected, strongholds, barriers erected against the truth of God. Now that's all truth, the truth of God. So the truth about me, not just the truth of God's word. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Okay, if we're going to talk about strongholds, we obviously have to define what a stronghold is. Because some don't think um, very much about strongholds because they don't know anything about them. I'll give you a definition of a stronghold. A stronghold is a faulty thinking pattern based on lies and deception. Deception is one of the primary weapons of the devil because it's the building blocks for a stronghold. What strongholds can do is cause us to think in ways which block us from God's best. Let me try and illustrate this. Let's say um, you are living in the house of the Lord, okay? And that's your dwelling place, that's your secret place. Uh, and I'm, I'm being semi-figurative and literal simultaneously. But let's just say you're dwelling in the secret place, the shadow of the Almighty, in the house of the Lord. And then you go out to work uh, and you come back uh, into his house. And then you go out to play a little bit. Then you come back into his house and you go out to work. You come back in. You go out on assignment. You come back into his house. And, and that's just the way you live. But let's say that you decided to build a huge wall in front of the front door, making it nearly impossible to get into. How much easier would it be to come and go in and out of the house? It would be almost impossible. Here's what we have to understand. A stronghold is like building a huge wall in front of the door into God's house. A stronghold isn't just a lie. A stronghold is a wall of many lies attached to or founded upon a single lie. It's hard to step into the truth when you allow yourself to believe a lie. It's borderline impossible to see the truth when you're growing. I don't want to say growing. I want to say drowning. It's impossible to even see the truth when you're drowning in a sea of lies. This is why Satan is always lying. If I'm growing in the knowledge of a lie, I'm drowning in a sea of lies. And it's borderline impossible to even see the truth when you're drowning in a sea of truth's antithesis, lies. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, but I am afraid that, Paul talking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The serpent deceived Eve. This is what he does. He builds strongholds with deception. So three points three parts of this conversation on strongholds. And it's essentially just one sentence I'm breaking up into three parts. First part of the sentence that we need to understand about strongholds. Strongholds start with a lie. Remember, Satan is called tempter, 
accuser, and deceiver. If, if I were to tempt you, you would know it. If I were to accuse you, you would know it. But if I were to deceive you, you wouldn't know it. Most of the time we're being deceived, we don't even know. Think about how just online with, uh, you know, I don't even know what it's all called, but with fakes online, people who use AI and, and they create a fake of a celebrity and it looks just like them and it sounds just like them. And some people have seen those things on social media and didn't even know they were being deceived. Okay, this is exactly what it's like with the enemy. The power of Satan is in the lie. If you remove the lie, you remove the power because he's a deceiver. Now, I want you to see in Genesis chapter 3 how Satan enters the scene in the garden. Remember, uh, law of first mention in scripture. I think it's very important to understand the first mention of the serpent in scripture. In, in the creation story, Satan shrewdly slithers his way into the garden as the serpent. Genesis 3 verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. So the serpent was different. The snake was different. What set him apart was shrewdness. One day, the shrewd serpent asked the woman, Eve, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit? From any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, Eve replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Listen to what the serpent says in response. You won't die. The serpent replies to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Okay, one of the things I love about this passage is it shows us part of Satan's playbook. He puts it on display for everyone to see and understand right here in Genesis chapter 3 when he first slithers his way into the garden before sin. I want to show you three very specific things Satan did in the garden that he does with us constantly as the deceiver which he is. First, first thing he does, he questioned God's word. One of my favorite things about this particular verse is I believe God uses this to remind us that one of Satan's favorite things to do, favorite hobbies, favorite weapons of warfare is to question God's word. We're seeing it all over the earth today. People questioning the word of God, believers in a way they really typically didn't before. Why? Why are we seeing this happen? Because Satan loves questioning God's word. He loves to come to those who are following Jesus and say, did God really say? Did God really say that? Listen, all he was trying to do with Eve was sow a seed of doubt. He didn't even need it to fully sprout. All he needed was for her to receive the seed of doubt. And the seed of doubt came when she allowed him to question God's word. Second thing we see the serpent Satan do, he denied God's word. 
Another way to say it, he completely contradicted it. She, she says, God told us if we touch it, we'll die. If we eat it, we'll die. And what does Satan say in response? You shall surely not die. He completely denies, contradicts God's word. So the first is he gets he puts a seed of doubt. Did God did God really say that, Preston? Did God really tell you that about coming to Scottsdale? Then he denies God's word. So a step further than doubt is denial. And it sounds like this. God did not say that. That's that's not what God said. That will not happen. He completely contradicts God's word as a denier. All right? So he questions God's word. He denies God's word. Watch the third thing. He added a lie to God's word. Here was the lie. God knows if you eat that, you'll be like him. You'll be like God. That was a lie. Absolutely false information. Know how I know? She was made in his image. Genesis 1 tells us. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God to be like God. And Satan goes, oh, no. No. See, God knew you'd be like God if you ate from that tree. No, fool. No. She was already like God. This is one of the reasons why we have to hide God's word in our heart. Because when the enemy comes to try and get us to question God's word and to to deny God's word, if he tries to add a lie to God's word, the fastest way way to buy his lie is to not know the truth found in God's word. She was already like God. Remember, God accomplishes his will on the earth through truth. The devil accomplishes his purposes on the earth with lies. Let me keep showing you this. We've got to blow holes in his playbook, people. we got to do this thing. If we're going to tear down strongholds by the grace and empowerment, the grace of God and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, not with carnal weapons of warfare, but spiritual, mighty weapons for tearing down these demonic strongholds, we've got to blow holes in Satan's playbook. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. I need you to see this. When Satan was thrown down to the earth, what did he immediately start doing with humanity? Deceiving them. Satan is always trying to talk to you. But never ever forget, there will never be a moment where Satan ever tells you the truth. John 8, 44, Jesus says, for you're the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For Satan is a liar and the father of all. Lies. A stronghold is built with and on a lie and typically involves many lies attached to it to strengthen the strength of the stronghold. 
I, I just want you to think for a moment. What lies are you presently believing? Let's start with lies about yourself. And we're, we're going to have some fun in point number three. Just I'm, I want to practically show you how to tear down strongholds, how to tear down lies from the enemy. But before we get there, I need you to already be thinking. What lies do I believe? What lies do I believe about myself? I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to struggle with this. So-and-so's never going to forgive me. What lies do you believe about God? God is always mad at me. God is never pleased with me. I, I need you to start thinking. What lies are you presently believing? I'm going to go out on a limb and say some of those lies are probably attached to strongholds. And our responsibility with a stronghold is to tear every one of them down. So, point number one. Strongholds are built on or with a lie. Second part of the sentence. Strongholds are built with a lie and are strengthened with belief. Okay, it's one thing for someone to lie to me. It's another thing for me to believe it. Let me help you understand how foolish it is to believe a lie. Um, I live in Scottsdale. Right now, presently, there is not a single cloud in the sky. I can see it through the windows in my office. And it is a bluebird, a pilot would say. It's a bluebird sky. A lie would be this. The two of us walking out beneath a bluebird sky and me saying, wow, that sky is jet black. It is midday right now as I'm filming this. It would be a total lie. If you said, what color is the sky right now? And I said, that sky is jet black. What if you were blind and you couldn't see the sky and you wanted to know what color it was, how beautiful the day was? And I said, oh, it's a hideous day. It's a jet black sky. That's a total lie. How foolish would it be if you weren't blind? And I told you the sky was black and you could see yourself that it was blue. How foolish would it be to believe the lie? Yet many of us take Satan's bait and believe his lies. I can't get too far ahead because I want, I want to fight right now. I'm not going to lie, okay? Let me read you Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Belief. Controlling my mind. What are my beliefs? Belief is one of the most powerful things on the earth. And I can prove it to you with one very short verse. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever a man or woman thinks in their heart is true about them. They don't just become, they are. Let me say it like this. Any lie you believe, you will eventually live according to. 
Here's what that means. If you believe you're a failure, you'll feel like one. When you feel like a failure, you'll act like one. When you act like a failure, you've become one. All because it's what you believed. Stop believing the lies the enemy is trying to sell you about you. Enough is enough. I'm tired of my family in the Lord being duped into believing lies about themselves that do not match what God says and has gone on record saying about them. The devil is a liar and we must not take his bait. You are more than what Satan is trying to convince you you are. When Satan says, you're a drunk, that's all you'll ever be. Don't buy the lie. You can be set free from alcoholism. When Satan says, you're a loser, don't take the bait and buy the lie. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. When Satan tries to come and say, you're a terrible spouse, don't take his bait. Everything Satan says is a lie. So stop buying his lies. Strongholds, they get strengthened by our belief. How does belief of a lie typically transpire? Well, I tried to point it out reading Romans 8. When you let your flesh control your mind and the enemy comes and brings you a lie, you're, you're going to think about that lie. And it might start out with, is that, is that really true? I don't know that that's true about me. And then tomorrow, he tries to sell you the lie even more strongly. Wow, he actually brought evidence this time. He, he might actually be right. The next day, he catches you in a... Satan's completely right. The enemy's totally right. This is who I am. This is who I'll always be. Do you see this little trickle? And how does the trickle begin? He sells the lie. We buy the lie with belief. Can, can I just say, I don't ever want to buy something Satan is selling. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I want nothing to do when Satan tries to lie to me about me. Uh, I just, I, I, in the past, have bought his lies. And I will tell you, it never leads to anything good. What lie have you bought? What are you believing? So much so that you are living according to the lie rather than the truth. I remember my friend, one of my best friends, uh, who struggled with alcoholism for years and years and years, decades. And I talk about it a lot because it's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen God do in my life or lifetime thus far. A lot of people said, this guy will always struggle with alcohol. He'll, he'll never not be a drunk. And for many, many years, my friend believed that lie. 
that he was never going to be free. And then one day, the stronghold was torn down. He gave his life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, he, he's never had a hankering for a sip. Legitimately set free in a moment. Stronghold completely coming down. Why? He made the choice to seek the truth. To yield to the truth. Capital T. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Think about that. If Jesus says, I am the truth, here's what that means. No one can come to the Father through a lie. He is the truth, and there's no way to get to him without the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth. Okay. What lies are you believing so much so that you're living according to them? You believe you're a terrible spouse, you know what you're going to do? You're going to act like one. You believe the lie that you're always going to be a drunk. What are you going to do? Keep taking far too many drinks. What are you going to do when the enemy tries to sell you the lie that you're always going to struggle in porn? Going to keep going to those sites. If you buy the lie, you'll probably eventually start believing the lie. And when you believe the lie, you'll start living according to the lie. Don't. Please don't. Don't. It's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Strongholds are built with a lie, on a lie, but they're strengthened by belief. Here's the third part of the sentence. And they're torn down with the truth. How do we tear down strongholds? These mighty structures God's enemies have built up in opposition to the truth. How do we tear these strongholds down? I gave you a sentence. I didn't tell you it was an unfinished sentence. But in the last point, I said, any lie you believe, you will eventually live according to. But I want to give you the rest of the sentence. Any lie you believe, you will eventually live according to until you replace it with the truth. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. We use God's mighty weapons. Different translation. Not worldly weapons. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. How do we tear down strongholds built on lies? With the opposite. The truth. I remember when I came um, to Scottsdale, Pastor Robert gave me some of the best advice anyone's ever given to me as a church planner. I mean, legit, this was I. I this has got to be top two or three, if it's not number one. He said, Preston, in your travels, because at the time I was still working in South Lake, but I was flying out here fairly consistently to pray, hear the Lord, and uh, he goes, Preston. Petition the Lord to help you see 
the powers and principalities, and strongholds that have been established in the city of Scottsdale. So that when you go to Scottsdale, you will overcome them with the opposite spirit. He taught me right then and there, the way to tear down a stronghold is with the opposite spirit. What's the opposite of a lie? The truth. But let's take this out to other strongholds. What's the opposite of impurity? Purity. You tear down a stronghold of impurity with purity. It's not just not doing something. We've got to tear down a stronghold. See, believers so often and all too often think about behaviors. It, the strongholds are bigger than that. This is not just about behaviors. This is about an enemy with very bad intentions towards us. How do we tear down a, a stronghold of stealing by the opposite spirit, giving? How do we tear down a stronghold of pride with the opposite spirit, humility? We can't fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons. How do you take a, a lie, a bad thought captive? By propping it up against the truth. If it's not true, don't let it enter your mind. Faith in God's truth leads to victory and freedom. Faith in the devil's lies leads to defeat and bondage. Let me show you. I want to show you on the truth side. John 17, 17. Jesus says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Notice that. Okay, so his word is the truth. He is the truth. His word is the truth. The word of our God, which is truth, stands forever. So it's a strong tower, just like our God is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. The word of God is a tower of truth which stands forever. This is why the enemy tries to prop up lies as strongholds, to bring them against the stronghold, the strong tower of truth, which stands forever. It will never fall. Another way to say it, it's a fool's errand for Satan to try and tear down the strong tower of God's truth. It's never going down. You know what is coming down? If the saints, the people of God, will rally together and tear down demonic strongholds in their cities, not using carnal weapons, but of spiritual, heavenly weapons. Can you even imagine the victory we would see on the earth? If the people of God started to get serious about tearing down strongholds, it's like we, we just drive down the streets and there are strongholds everywhere. And it's, oh, yeah, that, that tower is like the Bellagio. Oh, it's kind of actually cute. It's grown on me. That, that tower is like Paris, the tower. You know, like, like life is just some Vegas strip with a bunch of strongholds that are just a part of living in a fallen world. Don't believe that lie. Strongholds are meant to come down when God isn't the one who built them up. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Preston, this is the opposite of a stronghold. You tear down the strongholds with their opposites. I, I want you to think about this. If Eve would have walked out the passage I just read to you, things would have, I believe, they would have gone differently. Now I get uh, God knew how it was going to go from before the beginning of time. Totally understand that theologically. But I'm just saying, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it as a question. If it weren't just the first time for man or woman to sin. Do you think things might have gone differently? If Eve would have responded to Satan's lies with the truth. Listen, was it wrong for her to want to be more like God? Of course not. Absolutely not. All she needed to say to him was, that's not true. I already am like God. I was made in his image. To be like him. I don't need to do something to become like him. He made me like him. All she needed to do was combat the lie with the truth. But unfortunately, she was swimming in lies. So she created a narrative that enabled her to take a bite from the tree that God said never to touch. Now, I want to spend the bulk of the rest of our time together practically teaching you how to tear down a stronghold. Okay, remember, stronghold involves belief. And so we're going to talk about thoughts. Right, because that's what scripture does. So I want to practically take some lies that some of us might be believing. We might have bought them so much so that we've begun believing them. So let me use this first one as an example. Let me just show you. Here's a lie. God is mad at me. God is mad at me. If your inner bent is to think God is always mad at you, you'll be more inclined to always seek distance between you and God. And you must remember this. This is Satan's number one goal, to create distance between you and God. Let me be clear. Does God become disappointed when I make sinful mistakes? Of course. He wants what is best for me, and sin is never what's best for me or you. But is God yelling and screaming at me when I mess up? Absolutely not. Here's a passage which will help you understand God's heart towards you when you stumble. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. There's a word I want you to chew on today. The word merciful. Merciful means to not give what is deserved and disposed to bestow blessings. Do I deserve bad things when I do bad things? Absolutely. Is there consequence? Yes. Is there relational punishment? No. Let's be very clear. 
We absolutely deserve relational separation from a perfect God every time we do something which falls short of perfection. Is that what God does, though? No. He does not pull away from me in anger when I do something stupid. He actually pulls in close to me in love with mercy. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Here's another verse to meditate on if this is a lie you believed. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God is mad at me. Oh, okay. Here's what I'd say. That's a narrative. That That's a narrative. That's not a truth. As his child, God isn't yelling and screaming at you in anger. Is he disappointed when I do wrong? Yes. Have I seen him get upset? Yes. Is he so angry with me that he relationally separates himself from me in some kind of passive, aggressive way? Never. He doesn't. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is the truth. The lie? God's always mad at me. No condemnation. If someone's condemning you right now, it's not your heavenly father. It is his enemy and yours. Here's another lie. God doesn't love me. Let me just read you some verses if this is a lie you struggle with. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Question, when you gave your life to Jesus and became a daughter of God or son of God, uh, I, I know that some of us have a, a, a negative perspective of family and parenting and childhood. Totally understand. I want to be sensitive to that. But as it relates to a perfect father, God, and he is the perfect father for every one of his children. How can I say he doesn't love me if one of the most loving terms he could ever give me is his child? Again, I get how the narrative, notice how lies serve oftentimes as narratives in our lives. I get the narrative. God doesn't love me. And then you, you strengthen the stronghold by, well, he doesn't love me because I did this and I did this and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. That This is why. These are the reasons why God does not love me. See how we strengthen a stronghold? <laughs> Essentially, we do Satan's job for him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us. Let me personalize. For you. By sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners. Question. If this lie that you're saying is true, God doesn't love you. Then why did he come chase you? by sending his one and only son to die for you while you were still a sinner. Another way to say it, if there was ever an unlovable period of time in your life, it was when you were a sinner before Christ. If he didn't love you, 
Why does he chase you the way he does? Why did he chase you in such a way that it cost him his one and only begotten son? Listen, I'm not going to argue with you about your narrative, but I refuse to agree with your narrative and call it the truth. You'll never be able to convince me that God doesn't love you. I know many are like, oh, no, I've settled that precedent. But I promise you, there are a couple of people watching this for whom this is their number one lie. God doesn't love me because of this, 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 and this. He loves other people more. He loves me less. He just doesn't love me because of what I've done and what I haven't done. That's a lie. Don't let that garbage fill your mind. Let me read one more. If you're not convinced yet, you're still buying that lie that God doesn't love you. Romans chapter 8. Verses 38 and 39, gangster verses. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're not catching this, this is how we tear down strongholds with God's word. God's word is the strong tower of truth which will never be torn down. My narratives will be torn down. The lies of Satan will be torn down. But God's strong tower of truth will never, ever fall. And if you have bought the lie that God doesn't love you, the devil is a liar. God's word is true. And his word says nothing, no power of hell, will ever be able to separate you from the love of the Father. That's a pretty strong love. And it sure sounds like it's a love so strong. That's, it's beyond anything you could wrap your mind around. Let's tackle another lie. God won't ever forget that sin. That's a lie. God won't ever forget that sin. One of the things the enemy loves to do is to try and get us to believe the lie that we will always be defined by our worst mistakes. There are two ways Satan tries to do this. First, he tries to constantly remind us of the wrong we've done. Second, he tries to convince us that God will never, ever forget it. Here's a piece of advice. Never listen to what God's enemy says about something when God has gone on record to say something about it. Here's what God says about your sins. Hebrews 8 verse 12. And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. Notice, it does not say that God forgets our sins. It says he chooses to remember our sin no more. If God could forget something, it would mean he's incapable of knowing all things. So that means God is incapable of forgetting anything which means it is even more amazing when God chooses not to remember something he literally cannot forget, especially our sins. God looks in your direction if you're his child and says, I've made the choice to never define you by your mistakes because I forgive you. You were defined by the price I paid for you, which was motivated by my love for you. So remember, when God thinks of you, the first thought he has in his love for you 
is his love for you. And his last thought is the thing he's chosen never to remember again. What, what was that thing again? People. This is one of them lies. God will never forget this sin. He'll never forgive me for this mistake. God can't forget anything. I'm sorry I get so riled up, but my word, I, it, shouldn't we get excited when we think about the fact that the God who literally knows everything, which means he cannot forget anything, literally chooses not to remember our sins anymore. So why would I ever buy the lie that the enemy tries oftentimes daily to, to sell us? You're going to be defined by this because God's never going to forget it. Every time pressing God thinks about you, he thinks about that sin when you were 11 years old. It's not true. Here's how God approaches the sins of his children that have been covered in the blood of his son. He chooses to remember them no more. We are not defined by our worst mistakes. Here's another lie. God has forgotten about me. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Listen to how God talks. See, I have written you on the palm of my hands. What the what? Really? This is rich. God has forgotten about you? And yet he says, oh no, even if a mother could forget her children, I could never forget you. I I hope you're catching on. I know I'm getting specific, but I'm trying to show you how to not just combat lies, but to tear down strongholds. You can only do it with the truth. Maybe you've heard of people talk about daily affirmations. And, and it's not bad stuff when it's founded on scripture. But just because I say something doesn't make it true. and doesn't mean it will work. But when I repeat the truths of God found in the word of God. Now that's an altogether different story. Okay. You can have a narrative that says God's forgotten about me. It's over. He, he's forgotten. I'm, I'm off his radar. Can I please just encourage you with something? I gave you the verse. Now let me give you a little weight. I don't, I'm not adding the scripture. I'm just giving you the weight of encouragement to go with the weight of God's truth. Just because you can't see God moving doesn't mean he isn't. When nothing is moving, God still is. God has not forgotten about you. That's a narrative. That's a lie. God literally went on record and said, I could never forget you, even if your own mother could forget you. I could not. Preston, I've, I've got you written on the palm of my hand. Think about that, the, the, the beautiful picture of that. 
that every time he looks, and I know this is an anthropomorphism, but it's meant to convey the picture of him looking at his hand and going, Preston. What? Every time he looks at his nail-scarred hand, he sees me. God hasn't forgotten you, but it's even better than that. He says it's impossible for me to ever be able to forget you. Here's another lie that many of us believe. A certain sin will make me feel better. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, But my purpose is to give them, you, my followers, a rich and satisfying life. Satan is rarely happier than when we medicate using sin. How you feel is valid. What you do about how you feel, though, can cause you to gain or lose the victory. Think about this. There's a reason there are laws against certain blood alcohol levels. Why? Because numbness leads to catastrophe if you're not cautious. When you go to the doctor for a painful procedure, they numb you so you don't feel the pain. We need to remember, that's what many of us seek to do for ourselves when we're experiencing pain. We love to numb, sometimes with sin. While pain is a very normal feeling in a fallen world, Self-medicating with sin will never make you feel better. It will just cause temporary numbness. I know you might be feeling hurting uh, or stressed or exhausted or maybe all three. Instead of looking to numb yourself in an attempt to not feel what you're feeling, reach out to a friend today and be honest about what you're feeling. Spend some time talking to the Lord about what you're feeling. Sin will always Make what you're feeling worse. Sharing what you're feeling will help things to feel less overwhelming because you're sharing the weight of what you feel with every person you share your feelings with. Sin won't make you feel better. It will only make things worse. When Satan comes to you and tries to say, oh, you know what would make you feel better? That favorite sin of yours, that's what you need right now. Stop. He's trying to get you to take the bait. He can see where you're at. He can see you're down, knocked down, overwhelmed, stressed out, hurting. When he comes to tempt you with sin, to try and make you feel better about your pain, it's always going to make you feel worse. Always. He's a liar and he's selling you a lie. This sin will make you feel better. Nope, it won't. Notice what is true about a lie, that the opposite is true. So when Satan says this sin will make you feel better, what is the actual truth? No, this sin's going to make you feel worse. Here's uh, the last lie I want you to see I'll never be able to stop this habit or addiction. Romans 8, verses 9 and 12. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Speaking to us as believers, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation 
to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to stay bound forever. When Satan tries to convince you, you're always going to struggle with this. Just remember, every time Satan talks, he lies. So I'd actually get excited when you feel the enemy go, you're always going to struggle with this. Lie. If Satan says it, it means it's not true. I remember when I came to Scottsdale. The lie I believed was a lie Satan bombarded me with. And it went like this. Preston Church Plants don't make it in this city. I mean, he beat up on me so badly. I would meet with senior pastors. and I heard a lot of pessimism back in the day, 10, 11, 12 years ago, before I got here. I would meet with senior pastors, just picking their brain on you know, how uh, things work in the city of Scottsdale. And um, there weren't a lot of positive meetings. And with each meeting like that, the enemy was just bombarding me with the lie. Church plants don't make it in the city. Shouldn't even come, Preston. Now, I knew better than to believe it, but it was hard to shake it because he kept repeating it so much. And then one day I remember talking to the Lord about it and I felt the Lord say, Preston, can I do anything? I said, yes, of course, Lord. He, he said, is there anything I cannot do? I said, no, Lord, you, you can do absolutely anything. And then he goes, huh. Then I guess that means I can do it anywhere, right? Your boy was undone. I was undone. It was so simple, but so strong because I was battling a stronghold. And with one truth, founded on scripture, multiple scriptures. I, I'm, I'm calling on multiple scriptures. He was calling on multiple scriptures in the conversation. Multiple times he says, is there anything I cannot do? See, he came in truth, as the truth, with the truth. And it's amazing how quickly a stronghold can fall. When we let God be God, instead of entertaining Satan being Satan, I need you to catch this. What's the lie? I need you to really think through what are the lies you're believing. You need to communicate it combat it, thus destroying it. I love you so much, and I know that the God of the universe loves you far more, immeasurably more than I do. But because of the way God loves you, God's enemy has set himself against you. And one of his primary weapons of warfare is a lie. So I need you to start working on no longer believing certain lies. You're just like your mother. You're always going to be like her. You're always going to struggle with this. Go down the list of lies Satan tries to get all of us to buy. This is war. And I've learned I am making Satan's job easier when I buy his lies. Don't buy the lies.
combat them with the truth. And in doing so, truth with a capital T will tear down every stronghold Satan erected, which exalts itself against our God. Let me pray over you, especially those who have a stronghold that the enemy's convinced you is never coming down. I, I just, I might get a little bit riled up, I admit it, but I just want to pray. Um, and I, I just want to stand with you right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister who's experiencing significant strongholds, which must be torn down in various areas of their lives. Spirit of the living God, would you, with all the power in heaven and on earth, tear down every stronghold that has been erected in my brother's or sister's life, which exalts itself against our God and the knowledge of our God. Every stronghold which exalts itself against the truth the devil is a liar. God, I pray you would open all of our eyes to see your truth, especially when Satan's trying to lie to us. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen my brothers and sisters to not just fight the good fight of faith, but to stand in truth to be girded up with truth. And as they step by step, walk by faith, girded in truth, God, I know they will see strongholds come down like the walls of Jericho. This is amazing, God. You are with them. You are for them. You have sent an army of angels to fight on their behalf. Yes, this is war, but victory has already been decided. So now, God, I pray for victory for my brothers and sisters, that as chains are broken and strongholds come down, I pray for a measure of victory in the lives of my brothers and sisters they never thought they would ever get to experience this side of heaven. I pray, God, you would rub it in your enemy's face, that just like Colossians 2 says, God, I pray you would shame your enemy all over again by the victory you extend to my brothers and sisters as the strongholds come down and the truth rises up. God, thank you for standing with us and enabling us to stand on and in your truth so that we might tear down every demonic stronghold built on Satan's best lies. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, fighter. I love you. God loves you even more. I enjoyed our time together, and I can't wait to see you next week.